Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. Three. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 8, Think Lovely Thoughts. The air date for this episode was November 17th, 2013. The writers for this episode were David H. Goodman and Robert Hull, and the director of this episode was David Solomon. The title card featured Skull Rock. We begin in the enchanted forest of the past, in a local tavern yard where a three-card Monty player called Malcolm is caught cheating and begins to take a pummeling from his rubes. Malcolm's young son begs the man not to hurt his father. Jesus, this kid's accent. Yeah, it's not It's not great. I mean, you know, like, he's small. He's so young, and I'm sure he's, he's doing his best. But I know. It very I'm... much feels like to me when... I've heard my adult man friends try and do a Merida impersonation. Yeah. And they're just doing the, if you could change your face, would you at me? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, no, yeah. there's, there's, there's what it reminds me of. I know he's small, but still. Yeah, it there's, definitely has the same energy. No, no Scottish kid you could hire. I'm like, Scotland's them. full of children. Go pick one. <laughs> Scotland's full of children. <laughs> Malcolm is released, but robbed of all of his money. He tells his son, Rumpelstiltskin, not to worry. I have to say, Rumpelstiltskin was a very cute child, though. It's, it <laughs> is a cute kid. It he is a very a cute kid. He has a terrible accent. Yeah, yeah. Accent, accent aside, he is adorable. Yeah, he's really <laughs> precious. In present-day Neverland, Peter Pan gently lays Wendy back on her bed and tucks her in. Aw. He tells Henry that Wendy is getting worse. But if Henry saves magic, he will not only save Wendy, but all of the inhabitants of Neverland. Pan leads Henry into the main encampment to give a rousing speech about the heart of the truest believer saving them by saving the magic. And all of the Lost Boys cheer. Yeah! <laughs> Wendy's proper bed just in the forest <laughs> off to the side of Pan's camp was very funny to me. Yeah, like. What what happened to Wendy's nice little treehouse? Why did we plop the invalid in the middle of the jungle? <laughs> Sorry, Wendy. The Neverland magic had budget cuts and no one can fly anymore. So you gotta <laughs> just suck it up and sleep down here like the rest of us plebes. <laughs> wah, wah. At least she gets a bed, though. She does get a bed because she's mother. That's yeah. true. Mm -hmm. She's mother. Other mother will at least have her bed. Mother will have her bed. <laughs> so. Meanwhile, as Regina and Mr. Gold make their way through the jungle with Pandora's box in hand, the queen remarks that despite their differences, she can always count on Rumpelstiltskin to get things done. She admits that he was right. The others were merely a liability. Mr. Gold casually asks where the others are, which gives Regina the opportunity to lament that, uh, Pan told Hook that Neil was alive and Emma, like, took the bait. And then realizing that her words might have upset her companion, Regina uncharacteristically apologizes to Mr. Gold for the possible insensitivity. He waves it off, nonchalant, confirming, yeah, Neil's alive. Regina's what? <laughs> when Gold <laughs> casually confirms Neil's alive was very good. Yeah. And I love her too. She was like, oh, I I'm so sorry. That was really insensitive. He's like, no, 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 he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Regina does not understand why they would have just parted ways and immediately grows suspicious that Gold is not telling her everything when he continues to brush off her questions. He promises that the next time they see Neil, 
will be when he is placing Henry into Neil's arms. Back in the distant past, Malcolm brings Rumpelstiltskin to a house of two cottagecore lesbians, I mean, spinsters, <laughs> and asks the women to look after him as Malcolm attempts to get a real job. Rumpel does not want to be left with the woman, begging his father to stay. Before he goes, Malcolm gives his son the corn husk doll as a present, someone to be at your side when I'm away. Malcolm encourages his son to give his new companion a name, as naming things always makes things better and real. Malcolm then departs, leaving little Rumpel alone with the spinning lesbians, as in they're spinning wool, not, you know. Not twirling wild. Not, not, not twirling around, not twirling, <laughs> always twirling, twirling, oh, twirling. twirling. That's what you do. As the heroes are walking toward Pan's compound in present-day Neverland, David walks on ahead to ensure their path is free and clear. While her father is out of earshot, Emma confronts Mary Margaret about staying behind with David, which concerns Emma that she will once again be separated from her family. She believes that her mother is just giving up and that there must be a way around the stipulations of Neverland cure-all waters. Emma has finally found her optimism. She, like, picked up Snow's optimism when snow dropped that like two episodes ago i don't know i love her but i feel like she was kind of being a twat in this scene (laughs) like she softens up towards the end of it but she's kind of a battle axe at the beginning she's just like what do you mean you want to stay i don't care if dad dies come back to storybook anyway like (laughs) jesus (laughs) yeah it's true it does kind of read like that when the scene starts she's like what you're leaving me I mean, she has the subtlety of a bull in a china shop. <laughs> she really does. Because Mary Margaret's like, yeah, I kind of got to stay here. He can't come back. He's going to die. And like, Emma's just like, so? so? You're, but you're my best friend, mom. You make me cookies. And you you, you always remember my sweater and my juice Who's going to do my laundry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no one gets an April fresh like you do. <laughs> No one bothers to separate the colors. You're just going to give up your magical career of teaching small children about birdhouse making. Birdhouse 101. Give up all those birdhouses to live in a jungle, you lunatic. I ship you your birdhouses. I just can't be responsible for them. <laughs> just send Ariel with an armful. I know. Just thinking that I'm like, they're gonna have to just like Ariel's gonna have to like come up with like Ariel's like, oh my god, I'm not FedEx. Please stop. <laughs> the enchanted courier system. <laughs> Please stop. My God, I have a life. I have needs. <laughs> gotta find my prince. <laughs> I can't just be running errands for your fucking family. My God. <laughs> I have a button and a missing prince, goddammit. <laughs> and a fork. And oh, oh yes. What did we call it? Uh, mini trident. Mm-hmm. Mini, mini trident. trident. A rustling ahead of them puts the heroes on guard when Regina and Mr. Gold emerge. Regina explains the Pandora's box scheme to the others. But Neil tells everyone involved that Gold was planning to kill Henry because of a prophecy. Hackles raised the rest of the rescue party turn on him drawing their weapons and prepared to take Pawpaw down. Ooh, ooh, why does no one trust me? I certainly (laughs) never betrayed or tried to kill basically every single person here. (laughs) I legit loved how everyone, everyone got ready to kick Rumble's ass for Henry. Like even Tinkerbell pulls out her knife. She's like, oh, shit's going down. She doesn't know who this guy is, but by God, she is ready to knock him on his ass. And I appreciate that energy. (laughs) Tinkerbell is always down to shank a man. (laughs) Yeah, she really is. Back in the past, 
they are totally just roommates, spinsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they're roommates. Oh my god, they were roommates. The spinsters recognize that Rumpelstiltskin has immense talent for spinning. Rumple muses that if he can be the breadwinner, he can earn enough money to be with his father. Oh, that's so fucking sad. This poor workhouse child is just like, if I could work in the coal mines, Papa will not have to um, gamble and cheat for us. It's pretty sad. It is. Salem, honey. See, Salem agreed. He's like, like it's sad. He's like, it's Salem sad. Salem says, I'm against child labor. Fuck you, Mr. Pulitzer. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm gonna carry the banner <laughs> carrying the banner through it all <laughs> oh wouldn't salem look great in a little newsy outfit he would look so cute oh my god please oh. don't encourage her <laughs> oh what Is, are you not with us i'm dressing up cats no then she hasn't really seen newsies <gasps> I was supposed to watch Newsies one time. Elisa and her sister were like, we're going to show you Newsies. And then Anya proceeded to sit next to me and shout over the entire movie. So I could not tell you anything that happened. Was she shouting or was she singing shouting? Is that Both. What <laughs> it was a combination of singing things and commentary. So I never actually heard almost any of the movie. All I can tell you is at some point Santa Fe is mentioned. <laughs> That is all I got. I heard none of the dialogue. Okay, we'll have to rectify this eventually. So I'm like, I don't know. Everyone gets to be like, Newsies, you saw Newsies? I'm like, I pretty much fucking didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it basically was like, you know when you go to a bar and there's a movie on? Yes. <laughs> you can't hear what's being said. You can no. see the pictures, but everyone around you is yelling. So yeah. you're like, uh, and there's just like loud techno playing and uh-huh. shouting around you and you have no idea what's being said in the actual movie that was kind of my experience with newsies yeah the women set him straight despite not having a straight bone in their bodies <laughs> malcolm has a long history of being a coward and a cheat who has pissed off too many people in their region of the realm if rumble is to have a happy life he must travel to a place where malcolm's reputation will not follow the women gift the little boy a magic bean with which he can use to start a new life. You know, just not with Malcolm. Rumble is confused by this as he believes his father will be returning once he lands a job. The spinsters give the boy another dose of reality by telling him that Malcolm returned to the pub. He wants no responsibilities. Family can be a strength or a burden, and Malcolm will always be Rumpelstiltskin's burden. The young lad takes the proffered magic bean in contemplation. Ma'am, I am but a mere eight years old, and you expect me to travel alone? (laughs) I mean, you have to sign a waiver to have a kid that young on an airplane. Yeah. (laughs) I think I was 11 when I traveled for the first time on an airplane alone. I was young, but I definitely remember that, like, my mom essentially had to fill out, like, what's basically a permission slip. Mm Mm-hmm. Being Um, all like, it's okay for my child to fly. This is the name of the person who will be picking them up from the airport. Yeah. And this was like a pre 9-11, you know, era. So, you know, my aunt or whoever was like right at the gate. Yeah. I remember like the flight attendant like had to like essentially walk me to the gate Mm -hmm. and like do like a handoff. Yeah. I think they still do make allowances for that. I feel that. Like, I, I, I think so. I mean, they they can't expect a child to be traveling alone and to go all the way to baggage claim or wherever. You know, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that yeah. like they they make allowances for someone to pick up a, a child. Yeah. 
correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. <laughs> but to me, that is the common logic. I mean, what, what do we know? We're, we're a bunch of childless millennials over here, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we return to Neverland of the Present, where Mr. Gold affirms his good intentions. To earn their trust, he honors Neil's request to hand over the Pandora's box. Neil warns his father that if he so much lifts a magically aimed finger, he will spend eternity in Pandora's box. As the group continues on, Gold stops his son to reiterate that they have no idea who they're up against. Neil presses for the history between his father and Peter Pan, to which Gold cryptically replies, Peter Pan destroyed my father. You know, from a certain point of view. (laughs) Young Rumpelstiltskin returns to the tavern yard and just as the ladies told him, sees his father gambling again. Disappointed, the lad marches off, but his father chases after him. Malcolm affirms that no one in their town trusts him enough to hire him. Well, Jesus Christ, buddy, you did that to yourself. Rumpelstiltskin coaxes Malcolm to go away somewhere and make a fresh start, showing him the magic bean. A gambling junkie through and through, Malcolm wants to hawk the bean, but Rumpel ref- sentence. Yeah, really. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hawk the bean. Malcolm wants to hawk the bean, but Rumpel refuses, insisting they ought to start over. As he thinks of a place to begin again, Malcolm remembers the phrase, think lovely thoughts which he used to comfort himself after his parents sold him to a blacksmith when he was a child. Malcolm tells his son that in his dreams, he traveled to the most wonderful land called Neverland. Rumpel declares that Neverland is where they will go. They open the portal and jump in together, hand in hand. They were like two steps away from a crowded square. (laughs) Does no one find these two dum-dums jumping into a giant green hole suspicious? No. Okay. I think they were all drunk anyway. It was like a tavern yard. That would be yeah. weirder to me. <laughs> like, and then, whoa! And then it turns you're in... 800 times more vocal about shit when you're <laughs> Well, see, then they... Well, what's in the probably the deleted scenes, right, is like a rousing musical number a la I saw a dragon. A dragon. I swear I saw a dragon. <laughs> a I saw a dragon. A, I swear I saw a dragon. And it's like Mickey Rooney just like pops out of a barrel and he's like, a bean, a bean. I swear I saw a magic bean, you know, (laughs) or a portal, a portal. I swear I saw a portal. There you go. That That would make a lot more sense to me because I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I I know. I know basically everyone in the world is 8000 times more vocal and less chill when they're drunk. So like, (laughs) I feel like it would just be calamity. (laughs) So in this scene, like Malcolm, you know, as as Elisa will point out later, like, you know, he's very, he's very sweaty. (laughs) Just incredibly sweaty. He's very sweaty. He's, he's a very sweaty, sweaty man. And he like reminds me of a character of like the old prospector, you know, with like gold fever. <laughs> like there's gold in them there hills, I tell you. Definitely like the way a cartoon the, of a man. He he like hunches down to like get on Rumple's like level and he's just like feverish and and raging all the time and you're just like what the fuck i'm like kid are you sure you really want to be with this guy (laughs) yeah god for real like that's some frenetic energy that i just personally want no part of like those those spinning ladies are are those ladies were quite nice yeah just go hang out with the cottage core lesbians it's fine yeah they'll feed you they'll take good care of you in fact they do on a way i'll get to that later in present-day Neverland, Emma attempts to wrangle Hook into a Save David Thinkfest, but the pirate is adamant that there is no cure to break the tie to Neverland, and David should not risk it. 
Overhearing their conversation, Mr. Gould says he may know a cure, as he too was poisoned by a cowardly pirate and recovered from dreamshade poison. Emma is against using the killing candle that Mary Margaret was coerced into, but Gold believes he can make an elixir that may counteract the effects of the poison. Emma wants to know the price for such a favor, and Mr. Gold says it will be one of equal weight in the future. Neil jumps in and insists that his father is going to help David because it's the right thing to do. No deals, no favors. Mr. Gold agrees, prompting Emma to go and tell the news to her father. Neil is just like, stop being selfish and just help me, old man. I know. He's just like, stop being such a fuckboy, dad. Well, <laughs> I, I, he very clearly set that up for Neil to do that. I and suppose. He did because like he didn't even argue. He was just like, okay, I guess. Cause he's just trying to get into Neil's good favors. And he's like, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll do them all a solid. I've fucked up my relationship with my son beyond Exactly. Like, to be honest, that is the favor, you know, like of equal weight. So that, that was the favor is making it look like it was pro bono. He's a slick one, Mr. Gold. Yeah, something. <laughs> Tink intercedes, announcing they have arrived at the perimeter of Pan's territory. Neil is on Pan patrol while the others will sneak in, grab Henry and get out as quickly as possible. Easy breezy, lemon screamy. Mr. Gold helps himself to Hook's Cutlass as he refuses to walk into Pan's camp with nothing but his good looks. David tosses a sword to Hook in case his good looks fail him. That was a very cute exchange. It was super cute. Charmy and Hook are BFFs for life now. Finally. <laughs> Hook, Hook finally won him over. At least for now. He did it. He finally worn him down. Himbo friends forever. <laughs> The heroes surround the encampment, and with a wave of her hand, Regina casts a spell on the Lost Boys, who collapse to the ground in slumber. Regina's slow turn at Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> when he said, do you remember the spell, was so good. Lana does the Beth death glares. She does. It's so good. She's so over all the condescending blah, blah, blah. I'm the only one here who's good at magic nonsense. Regina's just like going to suplex him in a minute. <laughs> I mean, she's she's been she's been very done with everyone. Oh, yeah. I, the fact that trip. she hasn't just like gone ham on anyone yet is kind of astounding. Mm-hmm. No, it shows she really is growing a she's little. Trying. Yeah, she's trying. Yeah, she's trying. She hasn't very hard. The fact that she hasn't just pounded anyone's ass in the sand yet <laughs> is like shows just, amazing character growth on exactly <laughs> or just like killed all these children to get to her son yeah she only stole one boy's heart and no court would convict her <laughs> no court would convict her <laughs> no your honor they were all horrible children that's good enough for me <laughs> dismissed one of them threw a chocolate bar into the jungle where well, that's any... just fucking diabolical <laughs> stupid what's his face well he's dead now <laughs> he's not dead he's alive he's just a puppet but he's right that's so much better <laughs> but his heart isn't crushed so they could like stick it back in and that boy could have a normal life again i mean they could but she busy so you think she gotta take the time to do that before they leave no i don't I think she know. ever fixes that boy i think she goes home with that heart in her pocket either that or like <laughs> halfway she, like, there she looks in her pocket and goes oh god i don't need this and just chucks it overboard <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what i was about to say it belongs to the sea so maybe now. he can find it back and <laughs> stick it back in there i mean if he's real good at swimming <laughs> 
Everyone quickly moves in and looks for Henry to no avail. He and Pan are missing. A young girl cries for help, prompting Emma to rush into the jungle and discover Wendy in her cage. The little girl is bewildered to see an adult for the first time on Neverland. Neil follows up in his shock to see Wendy, who does not recognize her grown-up friend, Balefire. As soon as Neil frees her from the cage, Wendy and her old friend embrace before she explains that she returned to Neverland to rescue him. Neil is moved that his honorary sister risked her life to rescue him. Wendy says she could not bear for him to be without a family as his parents were dead. You told them I was dead, Mr. Gold replies. Bay says that it was easier than telling the truth that his own father abandoned him. The fact that Wendy is in this situation because she came back to save Bay is very sweet and sad. I'm like, oh no, she's been trapped all these years because she came for you. I know. It's so very sad. Sweet. I I have to say, like, even though this girl who's playing Wendy is an actual adult, she still looks like a child. Oh, she does. Yeah. Like I Felix over here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like Felix. Like it boggled my mind that Sadie Sink is fucking 20. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know, who plays Max in um, Stranger Things. Things. Yeah. Uh, But this Wendy is, uh, I forget what her name is. Freya Allen, I think. She, I mean, Jesus, fountain of youth, just like sprinkled all over her. But like, you know, you have this young girl and like this grown ass man <laughs> hugging, you know, and, and that can be like in lesser hands, it can come off kind of like, Ugh, you know what yeah. I mean? And it doesn't. No, like, it doesn't at all. It doesn't. It doesn't. Because Michael Raymond James is just, he exudes this respectful charm and brotherliness with her, even as an adult, you know? I don't know. It's just, it's so, it's very sweet. Like you could really believe that they were brother and sister, you know? In the past, Malcolm and young Rumpel land on the shores of Neverland. Ecstatic, Malcolm tells his son that Neverland is magic and anything is possible if one only imagines it. Rumpel imagines a slice of cake and it appears in his open hand. Furthermore, if Rumpel wishes to eat nothing but cake, he can, and he will never become ill. He can swing from the vines, but best of all, anyone can fly in Neverland. Rumpel doubts this, but Malcolm insists that Neverland is where the impossible is possible if one only believes. Malcolm attempts to take off from a rock, but comically face plants right into the sand. Rumpel thinks perhaps his father is a grown-up and not a boy, and therefore his powers of flights must have been shuttered. Malcolm remembers needing pixie dust and leads his son towards the forest jungle. They are followed by an ominous CGI shadow. (laughs) This kid is so weird. He's like, yay, cake! And then he sticks it in the sand. Like, (laughs) that cake looked good, you little idiot. I wish I had that cake. It's very much the hallmark of, though, a Scottish, like, very pragmatic and very suspicious of just, like, I don't trust it. This child is a peasant. When have you ever been given cake? Do you think you will ever get cake again? Eat this cake. Or give it to me. I wish I had cake. I'm very hungry. Aw. We return to the present where Wendy lies to the rescuers about knowing Henry and Pan's whereabouts. But Gold recognizes that she's lying. Once Neil promises he will save her brothers and Regina tells Wendy that John and Michael are safe in Storybrooke, Wendy comes clean. Pan is the one who was dying. He really wants the heart of the truest believer so he can absorb all of the magic of Neverland and become immortal. 
as this is an exchange, once Pan has the heart, Henry will die. We quickly cut to Pan rowing Henry out to Skull Rock. Once they arrive, Pan draws a line in the sand to serve as a protection spell. Henry looks so sweet and pure in the rowboat scene, like staring up at Skull Rock, all full of hope, and you're like, oh, buddy, oh, no. The heroes quickly make a plan to divide and conquer. David and Snow are to go to Dead Man's Peak to obtain more healing water for Mr. Gold to create an elixir, while Hook and Tink watch over the Lost Boys to lead them back to the Jolly Roger when they are awake. And Emma, Regina, Mr. Gold, and Neil race off to Skull Rock to stop Pan. They will all reunite aboard the Jolly Roger and return home, Henry in hand. I love grumpy, greedy Rumpelstiltskin's muttering, apparently that's all the things I need these days. <laughs> like after Snow thanks him for helping David. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to keep up appearances, whatever. <laughs> Back in the past, young Rumpelstiltskin remains skeptical of the pixie ducks, claiming he does not want to fly. Malcolm tries to coax his son up the crazily tall trees where the flowers containing the pixie dust hang on the highest branches. Rumpel is too scared to climb up, so Malcolm tells him to wait and he'll get enough for both of them. He climbs up and sprinkles some dust on himself, saying, I want to fly. But just then the shadow swoops in and mocks him, telling Malcolm he doesn't belong. In the present day, the quartet dock on Skull Rock and Emma instantly recognizes Henry's shoe prints in the sand. As she eagerly follows the prints, she meets with Pan's invisible barrier and is knocked on the ground. Regina's answer is, naturally, to throw a fireball at the problem, but it ricochets and nearly burns them, unsurprisingly. Mr. Gold insists Pan's magic is too powerful for Regina. He steps forward and easily through the barrier, explaining that the spell was designed for anyone who casts a shadow. Neil realizes his father was telling the truth. He really has every intention of rescuing Henry. Neil returns Pandora's box to his father, but not before Regina grabs it and threatens Mr. Gold in no uncertain terms that he better get Henry or else. A simple good luck would have sufficed, Gold replies understandingly. Aw, childhood trauma disguised as threats recognizes childhood trauma disguised as threats. <laughs> Henry's three parents restlessly wait outside the protection spell, trying to come up with a plan to defeat it. Neil asks about removing their shadows, but Regina does not know how to do that. As she looks up at the moon, Emma theorizes that since the moon is casting their shadows, if there were a way to block the moon, it would also cease to cast a shadow. Regina and Emma use the power of their queer mother's rage to cast a total eclipse of the heart. Turn around. Every magic scene with Regina and Emma is so gay. Hashtag Henry has two moms. Henry's gay moms are here to save the day. In a world where age is nothing but a number in life and in fandoms, join Kimberly and Sheila as they review movies and TV shows for their podcast, Forever Fangirls. Tune in bi-weekly as we delve into the good, the bad, the cute, and explore different themes of each show we cover. Or you can listen to my wife do different voices. Anyway, darlings, Forever Fangirls is available on all major podcasting platforms or on our website, foreverfangirls.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Meanwhile, in Skull Rock, Pan and Henry have made it atop the interior of the skull, where the magic of Neverland originates. A giant hourglass filled with golden sand sits atop a pile of golden skulls. I think it's an appropriate time to quote Gideon Nav and ask, what's with the skulls? (laughs) Ambiance. The sand marks how much time Pan has left, which is rapidly depleting. A distant wind disturbs them, alerting Pan to the presence of someone who trespassed. He hides Henry away, claiming he has something to take care of before they begin. We cut to Rumpelstiltskin making his way up the stairs before he pauses and pulls out the corn dolly from his jacket pocket. Back in the past, young Rumpelstiltskin weeps at the base of the tree, thinking his father has met with an accident after one of his shoes falls from the tree. His father arrives to comfort him, telling him that his son was right. Neverland is only for children. Rumpelstiltskin suggests they go somewhere else, but Malcolm counters that he would just go back to his old ways if they did. Rumpelstiltskin is confused when Malcolm ominously reveals that there is a way he can stay in Neverland and relive the fun he had in his youth. He must let go of the thing that is holding him back, his son. The shadow then swoops in to take Rumpelstiltskin, as the lad will always serve as a reality check that Malcolm is no longer a child and he must believe that he is one in order to stay in Neverland. Malcolm tells his son that he will be better off without him and that Malcolm was never meant to be a father. He releases his son to the shadow. In the chaos, Rumpelstiltskin loses his grip on the corn dolly, which falls to the ground as the green-colored pixie dust envelops Malcolm, who transforms into Peter Pan. This is like the anti-Maho shoujo transformation sequence. <laughs> Welcome, dear friends, to the dumbest plot twist in Once Upon a Time, which is saying something since the show has some really, really dumb plot twists. Yeah, this reveal was not needed. Peter Pan was such a spectacular villain. We we didn't need this twist. We'll mm. talk about this more later, but yeah, mm. the twist was unnecessary. In the present, Pan is waiting as Mr. Gold arrives. They verbally spar with Pan asking why Rumpelstiltskin never revealed their relationship to the others. Rumpel answers that Pan is nothing but a coward, but Pan insists he wants to see his son again and give him one last chance to stay with him in Neverland. Pan says they are more alike than Gold cares to admit because both abandoned their sons. But Gold insists he regretted leaving his son the moment he let him go and spent the rest of his life trying to get him back. Rumpel accuses Pan of forgetting him, but Pan cries, I never forgot about you. Why do you think I call myself Peter Pan? He pleads with Gold to put down Pandora's box so they can make a fresh start. After Gold refuses, he waves his hand over Pandora's box, but nothing happens. Pan used the power of Neverland's conjuring belief to switch boxes, and Pan waves his hand over the real one, where Mr. Gold is placed inside. This fucking family. 
in the enchanted forest of the past, young Rumpelstiltskin returns to stay with the cottage core lesbians, telling them what had happened. His new moms believe that Rumpel will be better off without his father. I like us all collectively glossing over the fact that we get the big <laughs> reveal that Peter Pan named himself after Rumpelstiltskin's weird straw doll. It's like they basically just gave up on writing this episode. Yeah, I think it's supposed to make us feel something, but it doesn't. Once again, it's not necessary. It's, it's not mean, this it, neat. Little it made product. me feel something. It's not what they wanted me to feel. Though. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't remember this specific detail that Rumpelstiltskin's father was like, name the doll. And then he named it Peter Pan. And then that's why he calls himself Peter Pan. Like I didn't remember about this. So in the beginning of the episode, when Malcolm says like, give it a name, a name is a very powerful thing. I thought they were going to maybe do something really clever with Rumpelstiltskin's original lore. Because, you know, in the original story, his name, you know, holds a power over him. That's actually also a very common thing in folklore. So I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. But then it wasn't. It's just what his name came from. And I was like, I think they think this is like this emotional callback. But it's not. They potentially set something up very clever in the beginning of this episode. Being like, a name is important. But did they do anything with it? I don't think they do. They certainly didn't hear. Like, I think they thought they were being clever, but... It's stupid. I mean, it is, but it's not... Also, it's like, <sighs> yeah, but you were very keen to forget about him because you had to believe that you were actually a child to be a child. And I'm like, naming yourself after your kids thing wouldn't... I don't know, yeah, just... it, didn't, it didn't work for me. No. It's just no, they, they no. tried something. It didn't work for me. Did they try? <laughs> they tried something because i stand by my it's like they just kind of gave up writing this episode <laughs> they tried something mm -hmm. meanwhile <laughs> in neverland mm -hmm. a freshly transformed peter pan enjoys flying over his new domain he arrives at skull rock where the shadow tells pan that the small island was created when pan decided to stay and the hourglass shows how much time he has before he stops being young and dies the shadow tells Pan that he broke the rules by staying because Neverland is a place for children to visit in their dreams. As Pan believes that rules can be broken, he vows to find a way to continue staying in Neverland indefinitely. The shadow's voice sounds like the narrator of every 90s action movie trailer, and it's insane to me. Also, my wife has since informed me that the stupid-sounding theatrical douche is Marilyn Manson and yo, fuck that guy. Yeah. We return to the present where Henry stands watching the hourglass. Pan then returns to finish his scheme, revealing that the heart Henry must give him is literal, not proverbial. Cleverly, Henry asks what price must be paid in giving Pan his heart. Pan is momentarily silent before lying, claiming that the price is that Henry must stay in Neverland. Henry says that heroes make sacrifices all of the time, and Pan remarks how proud his family would be to see him now. Pan grants Henry the magic to extract his own heart, much in the same way Cora did. Neil, Emma, and Regina arrive just in the nick of time as Henry holds his heart in his hand. They attempt to warn Henry that Pan has been lying the entire time, that this was never about saving magic, only Pan himself. Often in narratives in, in other shows, movies, books, video games, we have seen time and time again illusions of heroes' loved ones used to test the hero and try to steer them off course. 
And now we have Henry, who is a boy who loves, you know, tales. He loves the hero's journey story, right? Like those classic stories. And so, of course, he himself believes this is a test. So, of course, Henry does what he is about to do. Pan tells Henry that they are lying to him because they are adults who selfishly do not want Henry to live in Neverland for his heroic deed. All three of Henry's parents insist they believe in Henry because they love him more than anything. Unfortunately, believing that he can save magic, Henry gives his heart to Pan, who has now emerged victorious in his plot to become immortal. He also shoots up into the air all ominous and sparkly like they're about to gauge in the lamest video game boss battle ever. And (laughs) I just can't, guys. I just fucking can't. End credits. I am very mixed about this episode like it's got some great parts like the final scene of the episode with henry it's actually a very clever use of of a common trope and using that character's understanding of that trope against him like i think the you know the hero's test of his loved ones telling him not to i thought that was clever but (laughs) i do not love the main peter pan twist that was revealed in this episode Up until this moment, he has been an amazing villain. And we didn't need this he's secretly Rumpelstiltskin's father plot. Like, this present-day storyline could have been played out exactly the same without the Rumpel family connection. Pan could have just been a a fae, an internal child, tricking Henry for his heart-slash-life, you know, because he is dying. It's fine on its own. It didn't need that extra layer. It didn't need to be so convoluted. Like the final scene with Pan, Henry, and his three parents, that all could have played out the same, with the same emotional weight, without the Rumpel connection. I do have to say, though, and it's something that we talked about earlier, that even though this plot twist is stupid, Robbie Kay is amazing in this episode. Like, he very convincingly plays this, like, born father who became a boy. I don't know. I don't want to talk about plot because it's weird. But he's still very good in this episode. Hey, um, so I hate this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this was some of the laziest, dumbest writing I have witnessed, and that is saying something. Like, the Peter Pan twist is so dumb. The first time I saw it, I had to, like, walk around the block or something because why? Why? Like, the narrative of him just being an eternal boy that got weird and twisted from years of forced childhood, a la Claudia from Interview with the Vampire, is, like, a way more compelling, less stupid narrative than, hmm, I don't want to grow up. I give my baby to the sludge monster with the dumb voice. (laughs) Like, it also ties into one of my big issues with the show at large, which is the fact that that they feel the need to shoehorn everybody being related to each other, like everyone being related to everyone else in the show. They keep needing to do that. And like, it doesn't need to be an incest pit. This isn't seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, I just keep thinking of the video we watched. Oh, themed alternative. The themed alternative video we watched where Kevin Perger of Defunct Land just in the most hollowed out voice ever just says, they could have written anything. They didn't have to do this. <laughs> yeah, this episode is stupid and it can go straight to hell. That's my thoughts. <laughs> well, not to continuously beat the same uh, 
it's what we're here for. Do same, it. Same rhythm, but uh, it's, it's a needless twist. I realized they wanted to tie in something about generational father-son issues, but I think they had a slam dunk already between Rumpel, Neil, and Henry. We didn't need Malcolm as Peter Pan. Malcolm could have just been his own shitty character or just stayed off screen as like the dickhead who informed Rumpel of his traumas. Like, I think the better story is one, Peter Pan was just a kid who went drunk on his own power and crazy in his own right. I think it would have worked if Rumpel was familiar with Pan, who tried to like maybe lure him to Neverland and get him to stay. But maybe young Rumpel saw like his evil and got spooked and left. I don't know. Anything is virtually better than this. And then two, Rumpel was raised by two kindly lesbians who taught him his trait. He was still loved and cared for. This show continually shits on the adopted parents. And it really fills me with hot, white, boiling rage. Like, it just gets glossed over. I don't want to trivialize the fact that Malcolm abandoned his son, but fuck. Like, Rumpel was raised by good, kindly women, you know? I'm with you. It's it's really disgusting how the show keeps going back to, like, your real family is the family that's blood and not. If you've been adopted, that means less than nothing. Yeah. yeah. And you can't, you can't escape this because mm-hmm. it's in the blood. Mm-hmm. Like, no, fuck that. Fuck that stupid toxic narrative. It's like, yeah, yeah right. It's, it's very much like they're having this nature versus nurture debate and they slant really hard on the nature. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, come on. On a good note, Henry is precious. Well, yeah. And we must yeah. save him. Save Henry. Save Henry. The Henry plot was good. Yeah. Like, build to it in this episode, the reveal that Pan just doesn't need him to believe. He literally needs the heart of the truest believer. Like, that was good. There was good things in this episode. But it just, the Malcolm being Peter Pan plot just... It was awkward. It was not needed. There are other things in the episode I liked as well. I liked Henry's three parents coming together. Regina and Emma being able to once again have their little gay magic scene. And I thought the whole like eclipse idea was clever to eliminate their shadows so they could break the magic spell. That was that was fun. I thought that was a nice little piece of writing. I also enjoyed like the whole group coming together again and getting in positions to save Henry. And I... I thought that part of the episode was fun. I was enjoying it. It's really unfortunate that they also do the Malcolm twist, the Peter Pan twist, because it's it just it's not a needed twist. There, I don't think there was any need for it. It's it's the Kevin Berger quote. They could have written anything. They didn't need to do this. It was going so strong. It was going so strong until this. Mm-hmm. There's even like strong things in this episode, but they're overshadowed by what a twist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, costumes. 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 <laughs> All I could think about while young Rumpelstiltskin and his father were exploring Neverland and they're like five layers of old-timey clothing is how hot they must have been. Like his father was so sweaty. You pointed out earlier, he was so sweaty. <laughs> and I'm like, you can remove some of those layers, guys. It's it's okay. Yeah, they were they're like two steps away from being like a chimney sweep a la Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. step in time. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. All right. I felt well, bad for them. <laughs> yeah. Who's that guest star? In season three, episode eight, we have 
Marilyn Manson as the voice of the shadow. And I'm, oh. not gonna, I'm not gonna waste my breath on him. Y'all know who he is. He's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Wyatt Oleaf. Oleaf. I'm not sure how to enunciate that last Oleaf? name. Oleaf? Oleaf. Maybe Oleaf. Oleaf. Uh, well, anyway, he's young Rumpelstiltskin. American actor Wyatt has enjoyed a steady stream of roles since his debut in 2012, Animal Practice. His most notable roles include young Peter Quill in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, young Stanley Uris in It Parts 1 and 2, and his role in the Netflix original series, I Am Not Okay With This. We have Stephen Lord as Malcolm. Manchester-born and raised Stephen Lord has enjoyed a career primarily with roles on television shows such as Common as Muck, Central City, EastEnders, Casualty, Shameless, Penny Dreadful, Marcella, The Southwesterlies, and Coronation Street. All right, it's time for Once Upon a Timeline. So this episode's flashbacks are actually the farthest back in time we have seen so far. As this episode, we see Rumpelstiltskin as a small child. The flashbacks that most closely follow the ones seen in this one would be season two, episode 14, Manhattan, where we see a Rumpelstiltskin as a young man, still happily-ish married to Mila, and not yet a father to Balefire. And that's it. Time for our rants and raves. Okay. <laughs> so my, my rave, maybe it's a silly thing, but about two weeks ago, I gave our cat Noah, who, to give context, um, you know, we adopted him uh, last fall he was a stray cat at our last house Um, and lynn charmed him and we moved with him and brought him inside and he was so happy to be an inside boy but he's always been a little skittish of me and so i gave Noah a part of a tater tot two weeks ago and now he is so much more comfortable with me like it's a world of difference and like it's i've sweet to him i give him treats every night he would accept pets you know when he was sitting on lynn's lap but he was always very he was he was always nervous but ever since i gave him that first tater tot his trust in me has increased like 100 percent because now i supply him with small bits of potatoes and he <laughs> he he loves me a little more now he definitely like, he trusts me a lot more now it's a world of difference the boy loves potatoes so i uh, so i guess lynn is lynn is mommy and you're you're a potato mom um we caught up on critical role alexandria unlimited calamity which is a mini campaign and it was so good and soul crushing in the way that only something basically about the end of the world could be i mean i'd only seen brendan lee mulligan dm fantasy high before so it was a bit of a change for seeing him have teenagers fight corn monsters but he killed it Now, there's, there's literally a fight in a high school cafeteria with monsters mad at a corn in Fantasy High. It's amazing. But Calamity was beautiful and emotional, and I feel like a really good example of how Dungeons & Dragons can actually be a really compelling form of collaborative storytelling. Yes, it was so good. So well done. And I cried so much. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Also, I got a strawberry banana milkshake at California Adventure, and it was really good. That sounds yummy. It was very good. Well, I got plugged, and that was a real bummer. <laughs> so glad you're feeling better, Chell. <laughs> Me too. But it was mild, and I'm doing okay. 
Um, I have a friend visiting and thankfully we were able to salvage her trip a bit. So that's always good. Also, this episode comes out on my birthday. So yay, happy birthday to me. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And my mom is going to take me to some fancy sushi. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. You wouldn't think that a place called Sushi Karen would be good sushi, but it's actually fucking amazing karen sushi karen interesting he named it after his daughter okay yeah he's he's just this family-owned sweet japanese dude it like seats maybe 14 people it's nice yeah it's in a little strip mall in pasadena it's really great nice next time on once upon a rewatch While Henry's life hangs in the balance, the race is on to stop Pan from gaining full magical powers from the heart of the truest believer. Meanwhile, in Storybrooke of the Past, Regina decides to fill a void in her life and sets out to adopt a baby. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, you could have written literally anything, but you chose this. Look at what you did. Look at your life. Look at your choices. <laughs> Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Tweet us at once upon rewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at once upon rewatch. Follow us at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy once upon a rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Ruru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. But Neil tells everyone involved that Gold was planning to kill Henry because of the prophecy. Who was that? Salem. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was like, wait a minute. It sounded like mine, but but too far away. He's not here, but I'm like, I'd know my son anywhere. Yeah, he's in here. (laughs)